Thank you very much. And always a pleasure to be back in Makbet Shemesh and uh, come out to see the pioneers building land of Israel from the uh, really starting from fresh like we did in Hainov in the uh, rough and tumble early years draining the swamps having to go to Givat Shol to buy food and all the other difficulties that encounter and now Baruch Hashem it's such a large beautiful community and every year you watch it grow Ken Yerbu and we should see the uh, our presence continue to grow throughout our show and uh, it should be a good year good year for us and a good year for Klai Yisrael and a good year for everybody and we know right now we are in the Yisrael Meshuvah which is a extremely important time you know nothing is for nothing Rosh Hashanah everything is written everything is inscribed well everything is written and not sealed yet but everything is written all kinds of important things take place my wife noticed that I burnt my hand in Rosh Hashanah Rosh Hashanah not a severe burn taking something out of the oven I didn't tell my wife my wife just had a baby and uh, thank you very much thank you very much um she doesn't like it when I say I had a baby because I basically just stood there but uh, she she had a baby but we are good at taking credit for these things you know what and, uh, and in fact I've had a moratorium on all speaking engagements the only speaking engagement since weeks before the baby and possibly months afterwards is this one because you know Baruch Hashem I've had this opportunity so many years I didn't want to break a chazaka but um my wife noticed that I burnt myself and so she said why what happened I said it was on Rosh Hashanah I said Rosh Hashanah what, what could possibly have happened you know it's a time Rosh Hashanah day of judgment I said you know I think in my um, pre-Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur speeches I've made so much fun of the age of Gehenim that a coach Baruch decided to teach me a lesson you know not everything is that funny so uh, you know I think it was good for a line anyway but uh, but it's fascinating too but we know that Whatever has taken place this past year, um, good and bad, was written on Rosh Hashanah. It was very, we had some real serious things this year, this past year. And now it's a brand new year, all new things. The first few days we opened with a major earthquake, a hurricane, and a, a landslide. So, we should understand this is a real important time. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. We can change whatever's there. This is a time where we have to be focusing on what our lives are about, where we're going, and we have to change. And so, with four days left, I should say three days till Yom Kippur, four days of the Yisraelis Truma left, what is our focus? Where are we heading towards? And we should be heading towards, and this is what we think. Understand? And this is always our focus is what are we going to eat and this is always our focus understand I spoke about this last year at length and it went over so well I said how could I not keep the food theme going you understand what are we going to eat what do I mean of course as I mentioned this in the past that you know whenever there's a particular holiday we think of it in terms of you know Rosh Hashanah it's apple and honey and uh, Hanukkah is Lakis and uh, you know Purim is Hamantashen you know and uh, I thought it was Yom Kippur and people say Kreplach people don't say we don't eat it's a fast day (laughs) we think what are we going to eat on Yom Kippur okay it's not Yom Kippur it's before Yom Kippur it's after Yom Kippur it's like you know you're supposed to have a real soda afterwards you're supposed to wash be flashings you're not supposed to have milkings on a milkings on a milkings our focus is always on food what are we eating before what are we eating after and in between thinking about all the food we could be eating now if it wasn't ordained by heaven that we can't you understand so that's it I mean this idea of food now the truth of the matter is that um, uh, we, we should not make light of things don't make fun okay and everything here is very serious and that's of course um, a POSIC and it's a very curious POSIC uh, in the sense that there is a mitzvah that most of the Mephoshim understand to be a Deiraisa and that is referring to Yom Kippur it's in Parshish Emor and it says the following 
Perik Chav Gimel Pesach Lamedes Shabbos Shabbason Hu Lachem. Speaking about Yom Kippur, it is a Shabbos of Shabbos. Ve'inisem es nafsho seichem. You will oppress your souls. Betisha lechodesh on the ninth of the month. So it sounds like the Enoi is, of course, on the ninth. Be'erev me'erev ad erev. From the night to the night of the night, you will rest on your Shabbos. That's very strange. And the Poshit shot of the Posik, the simple focus of the Posik is that you're going to oppress yourself. The Eloi Nefesh, there's going to be some sort of suffering that's going to take place on the ninth. We know that not to be true. It's obviously on the 10th. How do we know? Because it says Be'erev. So why is it presented this way? So it says the Gemara in Brachos. And do you fast on the 9th? Don't you fast on the 10th? Everyone who eats and drinks on the 9th. So the Torah considers it as if you fasted on the 9th and the 10th. If you fast, excuse me, you eat on the 9th, because both considers it as if you fasted on the 9th and the 10th. So that's very strange. First of all, why are we presenting eating as an enoi, as suffering? Right? It's a strange approach. I'm, I'm suffering by eating. Okay, I can understand this because I grew up in my mother's house. You understand? And eating became literally a painful experience. You know? And I've, I've years, I'm, I'm, I'm married 23 years, I'm living in Israel, you know, 17 years. I, I, my, I, it's a distant memory. But every now and then I go back to America, I go to my mother's house, and I re experience the pain of eating, the suffering of eating, you know? I was at my mother's house for a week, and then I went flying around the country, and three days after I left my mother's house, I had the sublime experience of being hungry. And I hadn't had that for an entire week. My mother has the magic soup bowl that refills as you're eating it. I, I say it's a magic soup bowl, it's really not. My mother stands over it with a pot, ladling into it. The Norse legend of Thor trying to drink the ocean was nothing compared to my mother's magic soup pot. You know what I'm saying? And you just, you eat it and you're like, I can't eat anymore. No, no, but I made more. No, I can't, I can't, I can't. Like, oh, more, you have to eat. Keep eating. Keep eating. And it's a, this experience of eating that itself becomes inoi nefesh. That, uh, perhaps, perhaps, but on a simple level, it's kind of strange. And the inoi nefesh of Yom Asiri, the, the fasting on the 10th is presented Agav to the 9th. It's, it's almost as an afterthought. There's the 9th, and then there's the day afterwards when we learn out Me'erev, Me'erev, Erev, Erev, you know what I'm saying? So that's what it's supposed to be. Why present it that way? And this mitzvah of eating on the 9th is a... It, it, there's no explanation for it given. Why am I eating on the night? It is presented as if it's a fast day. When I eat on the night, it's like I fasted on the 10th. When I fasted the 9th and the 10th. Why? So, that's also strange. Now the truth is that the Chazal darshed another thing from this Pasuk. Um, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah. Yochol betisha mamish maybe it means really on the 9th tamadlema be'erev. The Torah says Be'erev at night. Ibe'erev yochob shetakshach. If it's at night, maybe it starts at night. Tamad loimar betisha. It says on the ninth. Okay, tzad. Matzchil umisanim ba'odjom. You begin fasting during the day. Malamid shemosifin mechol hakodesh. From here we learn that we have to add on from Yom Kippur during the day to Tishu B'av that's going to be at night. Oh. So that just tells me when I'm going in. How do I know when, when Yom Kippur is going out, I should add on to it? May Erev Ad Erev, it says. So, anyway, Yom Kippurim. Shabbos is Minayin. I know Shabbos. Tamad Lomar. Tish Basu. For Yom Tov Minayin. Tamad Lomar. Shabbat Chem. 
כל מקום שיש בה שרוס, מוסיף למכל הקודש. The famous law of having to add on to Yontif and to Shabbos and to Yom Kippur כמובן is all learned out from the same פוסק that teaches me that I'm supposed to eat on the 9th and that that's called Eloi Nefesh. That's called suffering of some kind. What's the relationship between these two things? The fact that I'm supposed to add on to it and the fact that I'm supposed to eat and, and it's presented in the context of the ninth and the tenth is, is almost a, an addition to it. It's almost uh, supplementary. So it's a very strange posik. And now let's face it, this mitzvah of eating on the ninth is according to most of the posikim as a dear raisa and is something we're supposed to take seriously. Uh, most people are known to have at least two sudas. They have a suda in the morning, and they have a suda after mincha. We go and we dive in mincha, and we say vidui, you know, and then you have the suda. There's at least two. Some have more. I had a Rebbe who, would, he said he always kept the sucking candy in his mouth on Erev Yom Kippur, to constantly fulfill the mitzvah of eating. So it's a, a serious thing. And of course, like all mitzvahs, I have a friend of mine who says he always gets depressed on sukkahs. It always gets the best, right? Because there's a mitzvah to be happy. And I can't handle the pressure. You know what I'm <laughs> Once you command me to get happy, I get depressed. You know what I mean? It's, I have no problem doing it. It's, it's simple psychological. That's what we say. Go to mitzvah. Mishayinu mitzvah, right? The person who's commanded. It's always harder than that commanded. That's why there are people who never eat breakfast. Their mother has told them for years, go and eat breakfast. You have to have a breakfast. They never eat anything. Never eat the day before 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Never. Except on a tightness. When it's a tightness, they're pacing up and down 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm never going to make it. I have a headache. I better lie down. I have to eat something. I have to. So you never eat. I always could. You understand? So now, here's the joke. On the night, you have to eat. I'm not hungry. Now I'm not hungry. Now you tell me to eat, and suddenly I'm not hungry. You know what I mean? Sort of like Malava Malka. You know? There are people, if there was no mitzvah to eat Malava Malka, people would eat plenty Motsi Shabbos. You understand? Yeah, people have no problem about it. You understand? But once you tell me it's a mitzvah Malava Malka, oh, I'm stuffed. I'm stuffed. You know? Especially now they change the clock, right? Now Shabbos will finish at 5.30. You know, I am stuffed. I was stuffed. 10 o'clock at night, you couldn't eat something. You know what I mean? You know? No. There was a mitzvah Malava Malka. No mitzvah Malava Malka, people would be munching the whole night. You understand? No problem. So, so this is a strange thing. This whole idea is strange. What is this mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur? And what's the reason? So, there's one approach. There's one approach the Torah Tamima takes, the Gani Rover takes, a number of others take, that the essential purpose of eating on the ninth is to make you suffer. And that's why the Inisem, it's a Russian of suffering, and if you eat on the ninth, I consider it as if you ate, you fasted on the ninth and the tenth. Why? Because the eating itself is a method to make you suffer more. Right? And he says, we know that the Gwarantinus says that the the Mahmodos, these are Groups that gather in different cities throughout Israel that while the Korban Tarmid is being brought during that time, they're on duty and their job is to, is to daven and their job is to um, learn and uh, they're supposed to fast. But they don't fast on Sunday. Why? And the reason is because it might be that since they went from a day where they were eating and drinking and celebrating right away into Tzalm, it's I mean, the Russian of the Chal is via Musu. We die from it. It's so hard. Yeah? So he says, The Mikorach Shabbos Shabbos Eichlim Umis Anim, Ukishi is Anil Mach Biom Aleph, Yotzim Mehepach Lehepach, Hutzar Godel Adam. Because you're going from this eating and celebrating on Shabbos into the fast day, it's, the switch is too hard, it's very painful. If you eat and drink on the ninth, it's as if you fasted on the ninth and the tenth. Kiha Kila Shemarbim Bisuda Bearb Yom Kippur Goyim Shakosha Hatinus Lo Adam Yom Kippur. The eating on the ninth makes it harder for you to fast on the tenth. Okay, next to Shaka Achila Shaar Yom Kippur Tinus. That's why it's considered a tinus. Torah Tamimah says something similar. A number of number of Mepharshim take this approach. It's a 
philosophically, of course, a little upsetting to know that I'm supposed to be eating and celebrating in order to make me suffer, you know. And I don't know that I necessarily hear this is always true. I know a lot of people who look forward to Tom Gedalia. Look forward to Tom Gedalia. Even if you didn't realize it this year, certainly when there's a nice three-day yontif, and you've gone, you know, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, and you've had now seven Gesundheit Sudas. And I'll tell you what I find absolutely fascinating. You don't find that you eat less as a Yantif uh, goes on. You think, you know, well, gosh, you know, we'll start off until, you know, no, no. You, you extend, expand your capacity. You understand? Know so by the time it's over, uh, tightness is not all that terrible, right? Right at the um, Rosh Hashanah, you know. It, Sometimes it's just too much food, and that's, you know. When I was a teenager, and all teenagers are, of course, terrified of the thought of fasting. You know, every teenager has emergency bag of chips someplace, you know what I mean? Or, you know, different kind of things put around just in case something should happen. You know, you know, a little glass over there with candy in case of emergency, please break glass. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, so they're very nervous. Uh, how are you going to get through the fast? You know, they stay up. They, they, they'll get up, you know, four o'clock in the morning or whatever it is to quickly eat something to get you through the day, you know. And um, so I had this when I was a teenager. So I found that there was this method. I, you stay up late at night, then you eat a bag of wise potato chips and a bottle of Coke. You don't want to eat anything for days. You're, you are so sick the next day. I can't even put it into words, you know. And... Um, so I don't know about this. Now, I, I can understand that there is, there is a, another side to this. And, and to appreciate the other side, you really had to have gone to a resort hotel in America. Preferably the Catskills. You understand? You don't really appreciate this at a resort hotel in Israel. A resort hotel in Israel, they have two choices. You understand? What is that? You know what I mean? My parents used to go away to a resort. They'd bring you out a menu with seven choices, and you had to try everything. So you'd order it for the table. It's not for me. It's for the table. And the table would get three or four dishes. They had the fattest tables in this hotel that you could possibly imagine. I was in one resort hotel. This was recently. That's why I remember it. You know what I mean? They had early breakfast, followed by real breakfast. Real breakfast finished about 11.30. From then until lunch, which was at 1 o'clock, you had to get by with coffee and cake. It was the hardest part of the day. You understand? Then you had lunch. That went till 2.30. At 2.30, the tea room opened. Nobody ever drank a cup of tea in the tea room. You understand? They have cake. They have candy. They have fruit. They have that. Unbelievable amount of stuff there. People are filling up buckets of it. They're eating and eating. They, you know, right? Okay. The Tea room closes 15 minutes before the cocktail party. No one has a cocktail at the cocktail party. It's a smorgasbord. People are filling the plates of food. Understand? Then after that, you go straight into dinner. Then they have dinner. Then you have to order everything for the table. Understand? Then they have dinner. After that, 15 minutes after dinner, the tea room opens again. It closes 15 minutes before the midnight bash. Understand? And the midnight bash. And I'll tell you what the most amazing thing is. Is that at every one of these events, people are going like they haven't seen food in their life. My parents told me they went to one time, he says, people brought expandable pants with them. You understand? Elastic pants. So then, suddenly, right? It's no problem. You know, they left themselves room for growth. You understand? You know? We always say that. It's a time of growth. They're looking at it from a completely different point of view. You know what I mean? And that's it. They're throwing a plate that they've never seen in their life. It's just absolutely amazing. You know? So my father told me, when you come back, if you spent a week in a resort, you're starving. Afterwards, you're starving. You know, you go down, you got to stop. You become, I just had a baby, but Hashem, you know, so did my wife. Yeah. I see people come back from resorts on the same feeding schedule, two hours. You know what I'm saying? Every two hours, you have to stop and eat something. You know what I mean? So I understand from that point of view. You get used to this particular way, and now it's hard to stop. Okay. The, the Zara Kodesh takes a slightly different approach and he says, He says, what, is, what do we do? He says, On the ninth, we make your neshama suffer because we make you eat. And on the tenth, we make your guf suffer. So therefore, it's two days of Enoi. One is for the spirit and one is for the body. Okay. But the basic idea is that it's called Enoi, the, the eating, because it is. The, there's another approach that says that Yontif itself 
is a um, yantif itself is a yantif Yom Kippur is a yantif if a person's sick and they have to eat for real not shiurim you know they have to actually eat you make kiddush you have a yantif suda you, you bench with the olive yabo it's a yantif meal so of course we can't have the yantif meals on yantif because Kush Baruch said it's the first day we move the meals back to the ninth we eat it then Okay, another approach. Yaakov Kavanetsky takes a technical approach. And he says, In other words, we learn two drushes out of this Pasek. One is Tosefes. You have to add on from the ninth to the tenth. And the other thing we learn out is that you have to fast on the 10th and if you eat on the 9th, make fasting on the 10th. Why? He says, because you put the two things together. You put the two things together, what happens? Because if a person right? Let's say a person wasn't eating. A person had lunch and they didn't have the manic last minute you know, eating. They weren't sitting there taking their tzom kal and drinking those last cups of water. You know what I mean? Desperately, as if I'm a camel and I'm going to hold on to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wouldn't be clear that you're fasting. That's, I didn't eat. Not every time that you don't eat, are you fasting? The Torah commanded us to eat on the ninth and then stop before the ninth is over. The eating and stopping on the ninth is what shows me that I'm starting to fast. So the super of seconds that I'm eating is actually the beginning of the fast because only by eating and stopping to eat does it appear that I'm fasting starting on the ninth. And that's why the eating on the ninth is considered like fasting on the ninth and the tenth because I have to eat in order to stop eating to make it clear that I'm fasting, that I've added on to the fast. Technicality. The tour quotes his father the Rosh and it's a beautiful piece and, and, and again it appears from the tour that again it's a sort of a technicality Simon Tuf Reish Dalit Tani Rebchia Barav Midifti this is the Gemara of Prophets we quoted. Right? Everyone who eats and drinks on the ninth, his honor test for you. It's as if you fasted the ninth and tenth. This is what the Pasuk is telling me. Because Prepare yourself for the fast tomorrow. Perish. As if you were commanded to fast on both. Why? For whom may Ahavas HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Yisrael. It's because of Hashem's love for B'nai Yisrael that we're told this. Shalot Siva with his Anois El Yom Echad B'Shana Utovoscha You're supposed to fast for your good. L'chavav Rosayim to get forgiveness for your sins by fasting you're getting forgiveness for your sins and he wants you to eat and drink beforehand so you have strength to fast he doesn't want you to suffer from the fast it's called suffering it's called inoi but it means that the inoi is there in order for you to get kapara the fasting is not to make you suffer. The Enoi is an essential part of the Kapoa process as such. He doesn't want you to suffer too much. So eat so you don't go in, you won't be so hungry. Marshal Melech Shahalo Ben Yachid. A marshal to a king who has one son. The Gozal of his Anas Yom Echad. And he has to fast for a particular day. But Sivu Ahilu Hashkosa Kodab. 
He tells them to eat and drink beforehand, so that you can handle the fast. And we are no egg to have a suda. And he brings a medrash, which I'm going to come back to in a moment. According to the tour, apparently, the eating on the ninth is pragmatic. who doesn't want you to be hungry on the tenth. So he says, eat beforehand. Right? Every mom knows that. You have a big day ahead of you. Make sure and eat something. Have a good breakfast. If you start over without a breakfast, you're going to be hungry. You're not going to... Right? Okay. It's, again, pragmatic. So everything I've done so far is basically technical. Either you're eating to make you suffer, or you're eating to make it easier for you. The eating is a hechetimsa for something. It's there to accomplish something. Right? A friend of mine, Michael Kaplan pointed out a fascinating insight that I want to share with you. A Taisvis and Ksuvis that I've seen many times and I did not appreciate the significance of. On Dathayom and Aleph. It's talking about the problem of a person getting married uh, on Motsi Shabbos, on Yom Rishon. That being a problem, we're afraid people will prepare for the Suda, maybe they'll end up shechting on Shabbos, making the preparations, the Chilos Shabbos, etc., and the girl is troubled about, well, then what, you know, if Yom Kippur comes out, you know, well, maybe you'll shecht in order for Yom Kippur, etc. Tysus has a technical question here, etc. I want Tysus' answer. The Yeshlaimah, the Be'erev Yom Kippurim, are you regilin laharbeis pa'oifos obedogim? It's because on Erev Yom Kippur, regardless of anything else, people eat a lot of ofos and dogim. Poultry and fish. Kedemash Bereshus Rabba. Gabiyahu. Chaita. Dezavim Nuna. There's a story, a Medrash and Bereshus Rabba, where this tailor goes and buys himself a fish, etc. Why? Mishum Dahabi Yom Slicha Because Yom Kippur is a day of Slicha and Kapara. Therefore, we eat a lot of Ophos and Dogim. We eat a lot of poultry and fish on Erev Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur is a day of Slicha and Kapar I, I would have appreciated that if it said because it's a day that's a fast and then I would have answered pragmatically why do you eat those things? probably because they're easier to digest my wife's family for the Pseudo Masekes eats chicken soup and boiled chicken it's easier to digest that's it my mother would have no objection to serving that as long as she served everything else along with it. No, no problem. My idea, my mother's idea is just, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into it, it's just too frightening, you know. She, she I, I remember the Pesach said I would be always running behind and the courses would just line up down the table waiting for me, you know. It's uh, just absolutely amazing concept. But people eat boiled chicken, boiled vegetables, sweet potatoes fill you up. You know, this is good advice. All of us in Dublin. Obviously, if it was more chashev, you'd eat meat. Yeah? Rashi, in Parshish Pinchas, quotes a Medrash Tanchuma. A Medrash Tanchuma says a fascinating thing. And I did not appreciate this Medrash Tanchuma until he tied it into this Taisus. And I've seen this Rashi all the time. We know in Sukkis, you have to bring Shivan Pa. And the first day you bring 13, then 12, then 11, then 10, then 9, then 8, then 7. And I'm sure that says one. Why? Says Mishan Khuma. To teach you their heritz. So when you're gonna have guests, beyond Rishan Makabu Yofa. The first day, accept them nicely, Umahiru Ofos. Give him poultry. The second day give him fish. The third day, the The fourth day, vegetables. And so you give him less and less until you're finally giving him beans. Less and less. First day, poultry. Second day, fish. Third day, beef. Fourth day, vegetables. Fifth day, kidneys. Because Ophos and Dogim are considered more Choshev than Basa Behema. 
Tosus is telling us that for whatever reason we're supposed to eat Ophos and Dogim on Erev Yom Kippur because it is more Choshev than Yom Tov and Shabbos when we eat Bosa. Or I should say on Yom Tov we eat Bosa. Ophos and Dogim we're mocked on Erev Yom Kippur to eat because it's the highest and greatest delicacies there are. If the whole purpose is just to fill you up so that it's harder for you to fast. Or to fill you up so it's easier for you to fast. I don't have to have all of a sudden I can, I can get by with anything. You, you, certainly certainly you, you can get by with three potatoes. You can get by with other stuff that will fill you up. Why in the world do I have to eat the finest foods on Avion Kippur? Now the Torah quotes a medrash. There's a different version of this medrash in Barashas Rabbah that phrases it and it's easier to read but a uh, few differences but not much and he brings a medrash or maybe the medrash the officer in charge of the city go and get me fish I want fish for lunch I'm in charge of the city I'm the officer go and get me fish there was only one fish for sale and he was offering a gold coin for it. Gold coin. It's a lot of money for a fish. And there was a Jewish tailor. Now I understand that this is a story in the shtetl, so you have the Jewish tailor. You know, in the Medrash there weren't that many Jewish tailors that I can recall. He's a tailor. Why that's important, I'm not clear. It doesn't say why, why that's important. The Hosi for love, and he got into a price war with him, a bidding war. Ajaha it went up to five gold coins. In the Medrash it's twelve dinarim. You can get a goat for two zuz. You understand? We're up to twelve dinar for a fish. Or five gold coins. So, what can he do? He took it. So so he goes back and tells the story he says where's my fish he says this Jew got it for me he, he, he paid this enormous amount of money did you want me to pay so much money for a fish he sends for the, the tailor doesn't see what's going on here he thinks that maybe this is an insult maybe the guy is like trying to show him up you see that this is my Evan who's going to get the fish for me he said to him what do you do for a living I'm a low chayat. I'm a tailor. What's this tailor theme? What are, we, what are we focusing on the fact that he's a tailor? What are you? I'm a tailor. The Beis Yosef says because he's wondering where does this guy have so much cash to waste? I said, what is he, a criminal? What is he, a drug dealer? He's got a lot of cash. He pulls out a, a, a roll of, uh, of, of bills here. You know, pay this enormous amount of money for a fish. I'm a low. The Lama Kanisa Doug yeah this was going for one gold coin you paid five times the price so you saw that I was trying to get it and you paid five times the price so he says to him I would have paid double that amount because I want to eat it on this day that Hashem commanded us to eat and drink we eat and drink on the 9th and we are confident that on Yom Kippur Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to forgive us it seems like it's totally zubazu we eat it on the 9th and that's why we're sure that Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to forgive us on the 10th in that case he did the right thing and he sends him home Bracious Rabbah it says and he cut open the fish and he found a jewel and he lived off of that for the rest of his life it's interesting because another gear where it doesn't say so it makes sense it's a chassid shemaisa and it has to have a happy ending you understand litvish shemaisas don't Lidvish Shemaisa is the guy who took the fish and he went home and he ate it. A Chassid Shemaisa, he has to find the jewel inside and become rich. I understand. You understand? 
That's the story. You know, somebody was telling me the story, you know, and he goes, Rashiva, Rashiva gives him a bracha. I said, what happened? He says, I don't know. It's a litvish shemaisa. So Rashiva shemaisa, tell you, he goes home and it worked and everything went well. He says, litvish shemaisas have no happy endings. And then, you know, litvish shemaisa, he goes, somebody finds it. But the tour doesn't bring that down. Why do you have to tell me that he's a tailor? I'm so troubled by this. It could be it's not significant. It just happened to be he was a tailor. But you could have written in the Medish, it was about woman. Why are you telling me he's a tailor? It's a fascinating Medish Rabbah in Parshish Leichlacha. It says the following. We have a small sister. What's the small sister? Ze Avraham. Sheicha es kol olam. Icha, for together. What exactly is that lotion? The Medrash makes it very clear what that lotion is. But Kapara Omar Kazeh, Shahu Ma'acha Eshakera. He brought together the tear. Says the ATO safe. Targum Litfar Lacha. He sewed up the tear. He mended the rend that was made. Abraham was called the tailor. Why? Says the Eitz Yosef. Shabachet Adam Arishan mistalka shchina lamala. When Adam Arishan did his chet, Hakadosh Baruch Hu went up to Shemayim. V'chein gam the chet door enosh v'door hamabel v'haflaga. And in the door enosh, the door hamabel, the door haflaga, the shrachet Yosef, or kedushas hashchina melamata melamala. And in each one of these generations, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light went further and further up and further and further away from us. The beginning of the repair is Avraham. He reattached the upper world to the lower world. And that's what it means. He reattached it. And through Abraham's tzidkus, he brought it back together. There's a Rashi in Chayisara where when he's talking to Eliezer to go and find a wife and he says maybe she won't want to come. Hashem, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, says Rashi, He said, But before, when he gives him to swear, he says, Now, Hashem is the God of the heaven and the earth. I have made him common in the words of people. When God took me from my father's house, he was only the God of heaven. HaKodesh Baruch Hu was only up in heaven. He was torn asunder from the earth. He was ripped away. There was a tear in that connection between Shemayim and Aretz. And who repaired the rip? Who was the terror? It was Abraham. And slowly we began to repair that tear for 400 years. And we came out of Mitzrayim, we went to Har Sinai, and the Chazal say, we then reached the level of Odom Rishon Kodum Hachet. And if we would have received those first luchos, the first tablet, that would have been the end. No more death, no more destruction, Mashiach, Mason, everything would have been repaired, Shemayim Ba'aretz would have been reunited, and instead we built the ego. And that, once again, ripped apart the fabric of Shemayim Ba'aretz. And we managed to get forgiveness. And when Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the second Luchos on Yom Kippur, then we realized we were forgiven for the Cheta Egel. And so that day, the Yud Tishrei was made a Yom Slicha Umechila Bekapoa for all time. Because that's when we sewed it back up. 
it wasn't just anybody who was willing to spend 12 dinarim for a fish or 5 zahubim for a fish it was a tailor it's a person who understands that by joining together Shemayim Ba'aretz we can undo the damage but now we're saying something completely different and we're saying that when we eat on the ninth of Tishrei it's not merely a means to an end to make sure that you won't be so hungry or to make sure that you'll be more hungry we're eating on the ninth and fasting on the tenth for the same purpose to bring together Shemayim Ba'aretz to sew it back up the Svasemes and the Yogi who explains him at length says that there's a specific concept here that we're dealing with it's not, we're not just eating we're not just eating for a particular purpose we're not just eating to fill a need when we're eating this eating is presented to us in the Pusik as Lishbois Shabbos Shabbosayim it is a day when we rest from Malacha and the Russian of the Ramam is the Lishbois Merachila Vishtiya and we rest from eating and drinking meaning that this day on Yom Kippur we don't do malacha like on Shabbos and we don't eat and drink like we do on Shabbos it's an enoi it's called an enoi it's called suffering but it's not suffering like any other kindness it's not like any other fast day this is a fast when we are removing from ourselves limitations in this world that stop us from reaching the level of malachim and that's what the Chazal say the Malachi Asharis look at us on Yom Kippur and said who are these people on the face of the earth who think that they're angels angels dressed in white and they dress in white angels stand they have no knees and they stand we still stand as much as we can on Yom Kippur angels don't even drink angels don't have Tash Shemitah. angels you know uh, don't do business angels don't do Malacha that we say these inuyim, this separation takes us out of the status of being a regular person and puts us into the status of being a malach we are eating and drinking on the ninth in order to elevate us to a state a completely different state of being and when we fast that's connected to the eating in what way? Gemara says in three ways we're like angels and in three ways we're like animals how are we like animals? one of them is we eat and drink and so on Yom Kippur we don't eat and drink but there's a different level there's a level where a person can eat and drink and still not be like an animal. Eric Chafravim Sharim says there's a level called Kedusha. And he says, what's the difference between a Kadosh and a Taha? A Taha says the physicality in this world is something that's bad. And I have to stay away from it. And it's going to take me away from what I want to do. And I have to benight it. And I have to remove it. And I have to purify it. Etc. Etc. But a Kadosh a person who has reached this level of Kedusha he himself is like a Mikdash like a Mishkan and a Mizbeach when you offer a Korban on the Mizbeach that's not physical that's spiritual when Kohanim eat the Korbanos and the person who brought the Korban gets a Kapara that means that the eating is not a physical eating of course you're eating it physically there's nothing you can do but eat it physically but the process of eating is reversed there is a precedent for this it's called mun it's called mun we ate mun the Ramban explains mun is called the Zima Shechina brought down into some sort of solid form I'm sure that's easy for all of us to understand right simple just little pieces of Shechina Shechina candy yeah and you're eating this and it's a physical experience 
But how is that working? We spoke about this in years past. The normal method of digestion is that you eat and it goes into your digestive system. From there it goes into your bloodstream and the bloodstream carries the nutrients around to the entire body. Or to put it in other terms, it goes from your kabeid into your lave into your moach. But there's a different method. That's what worked with man. It, it totally was dependent on your machshava. It tasted what you thought it was going to taste like. It, it became what you thought. And from your thoughts, it went into your heart. And from your heart, it went into your, into your kabeid. It went into your digestive system. The food was an intellectual, spiritual experience. Man became something that you ate it physically. because you ate it. Obviously, it sustained you because you lived. And the Pasuk in Devarim says, V'inisem, in regard to the mud. This wasn't regular eating. This was a transformational experience of eating. Rav Tzadik says, when you eat on Yom Kippur, it's like eating, actually, when you eat on Arab Yom Kippur, it's like eating mud. Malachim. What Malachim eat? On Yom Kippur, we, I was not eating. We eat that food on the ninth of Tishrei. We're eating malach food. Angel food cake. You understand? Whatever the malachim eat, that's what we're eating. We're changing, it's, it's, it's bits of the Shekhinah. We're eating the Kedusha, the Tahara. The Medrash says, Bosh, uh, uh, Avram Avinu had his bris milah on Yom Kippur. He had a shaykhist to Yom Kippur. And there's only one Time. You know, we ate with the Malachim ate. There's only one time the Malachim ever ate. That's what Avram gave him. Avram gives him food. This we eat. When Avraham prepares it, that's not people food. That's angel food. That we can eat. That we draw sustenance from. It's physical. But it has inside of it spirituality. There's a method where a person can eat in this world. A person can do physical actions in this world. And their experience is a spiritual experience. How does it relate to? It means that you're, you're eating and drinking and the experience is a spiritual experience. There's physicality in there. But the experience you experience becomes something spiritual. When we eat on the 9th of Tishrei and we fast on the 10th of Tishrei, both of them are called Enoi, just like the man was called Enoi. Because you're depriving yourself of physical pleasure and you're giving yourself spiritual pleasure. That's how we're supposed to eat on the 9th. We go way into the 10th and that's how we're supposed to eat for the rest of the year. We're supposed to raise ourselves up to a level of spiritual fulfillment that you get from eating physically. So Orgidah Yohu says, Masil Shasham tells us, when he talks about precious, that there are a few things in this world that are as purely gashmi as, as eating and drinking. Eating is a very physical experience. It's something that's very... Um, that you feel it with your senses. It's a temporary pleasure. But it's very, very, very physical. When a person can take the most physical experiences and transform them into something spiritual, then they're living in the same world that everyone else is, but at a completely different level. You're not living the same way. There are certain people, they, you know, what the, what the Ramban calls the Manuva Right? They can eat, they can drink, they can, they can go through an entire process like an animal. And then there are people who can eat in a way that their eating itself is the Kedush of Tyra. That's what we're trying to accomplish on the ninth of Tishrei. We're eating in a way that it's an elevation process. The Dutton Magid explains the concept of the Enoi. I know it'll come as a surprise. And the Marshal. He says, why is the eating presented as an Enoi is suffering? And he says the following Marshal. There's a very wealthy man and he had a young boy. And I was going off to school. Now this kid by nature was a Baltaiva. It's lucky if you come from a wealthy family and you're a Baltaiva. If you're a Baltaiva and you come from a poor family, you're really in trouble. 
Because for a wealthy family, at least, you know, they can support your habit. Eh? So it says the kid on the way, and he'd walk past the marketplace, and he'd grab an apple from here and a handful of nuts and take a candy from this, you know. Eh? Storekeepers didn't care. They knew his father was good for it. was pastished. This kid's a good kid from a good family. He's walking around, you know, grabbing stuff from here and grabbing stuff from there. You know? When you see a kid acting that way, it's... You know? Those of you who have young children and sometimes they haven't quite grasped the concept of plates belonging to individual people and the concept of utensils. You understand? So they end up looking like Helen Keller at the beginning of the miracle worker. You know what I mean? Where she's walking around to everybody's plates. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's the, the scene. I, I, don't, I don't want to build this up more than is necessary. Those of you who have small children know about it. Those of you who don't, no reason to scare you off at this point. You understand? You know? Wait, wait, you'll see. You understand? Know it, it, it's an experience, you know? You're like, don't touch my food, you know? So, uh, so, the father hears this. I doesn't want his son to go around this way. He said, so he tells his son, he says, listen, you're going off to school. You're a good kid. You come from a fine family. This is not how you're supposed to behave. Now listen to this. I mean, just in the marshal, even, what a master mechanic. So what does he do? He gets musicians to parade this kid through town. And they play. And the trumpets are blaring. Dun, 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 and you're marching. And he's coming with an entourage. And everybody sees him. Good morning, master so-and-so. How are you today, young lord so-and-so? Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. I don't picture him grabbing something off of the tray as he's going by. A parade. I haven't seen a parade in this country. I, I can't tell you. You know? I have been in many social situations where I've seen people spitting Gary Nims, so I, you know, which would surprise me under normal circumstances. I get, maybe it works different here in a parade, you know. But in New York, I'm from New York, you know, in New York, a ticket tape parade after the uh, Apollo mission, after the astronauts came, right? They're sitting there waving. Okay, well, we need that. A sports team, right? The Yankees win the World Series every other year, right? Get them a parade. Understand? And the Mets have also won once. There's that, twice. There's that, yeah. So, it's not their fault. They're usually playing against professional ball teams. It's not their fault. Okay. Anyway, the Yankees are coming. I have a brother who's a Yankee fan. I'm a Mets fan. So everybody just has a lot of fun at his expense. You know what I mean? Like, you know. But that's how you develop a Muna. You know what I'm saying? The Yankees, there's no, there's no trick to it. Just, yeah, yeah, the Mets, you have to really, you know. Anyway. So, the real moon is really the, the Red Sox. That's right. <laughs> now that they won the World Series, you know, Mashiach can come. Like anything, you know, it's like, when they lost the year before, there was this guy crying. He said, they did it to me. They did it to my father. They did it to my grandfather. You know, they, you know, because you used to see real moon and Red Sox fans. You know, okay, the fight. Let me take a day parade. Now, based on the little bit of research that I've done and interviews that I've seen, etc., I'm not under the impression that baseball players are the intellectual and cultural elite. <laughs> Nonetheless, I've never seen any of them like munching stuff as they're on their ticket tape parade. You don't even see them using chewing tobacco, which as far as I'm concerned is, you know, as disgusting as spitting gari in. You know what I mean? They're not doing a parade. So what does the father do? He makes a parade for his son. So, so now I'm going to sit there and grab things. It's an evil. I'm not letting you walk down the street and grab things over the stall. But not because I've debased you. Not because I've stopped you. But because I've raised you up to the point that such an activity is not appropriate for you. Since it doesn't mind you. Let's say the Torah didn't say that you have to eat on the ninth in a Russian of Eno. Let's say it says, eat on the ninth. Well, let's say eat on the ninth. He says, boy, would people eat. <laughs> he, he's he says, he says, and would you end up with a minion in shul for Kol Mitre? Wouldn't be anybody there. Everybody's like, you know, wait, one more apple. And then, you know, don't want to miss one more thing. You understand? Like this, when we eat the Sudamasekis, especially now they change the clock, right? Only in Israel is this like a major religious battle every year. Daylight savings time. You know what I mean? The community torn asunder by daylight savings time. You know what I mean? So they say, no, we must change the clock before Yom Kippur. It's right. Otherwise the fast will be an hour longer. <laughs> so I say, wait a second, wait a second. It's 25 hours. What difference does it make? 
So he said, you obviously never fasted on Yom Kippur. <laughs> Trust me, if it ends at 5.30 or it ends at 6.30, that's the longest hour of your life right there. You understand? <laughs> but now, everything goes so fast, barely have time. You sit down to the Sudan of seconds, you try to eat, you know, and no matter what time you sit, well, you try to set it for a reasonable amount of time. We're going to start the Sudan of seconds at 2 o'clock. <laughs> at 4 o'clock, you're first sitting down. <laughs> you try to quickly eat, you know, hot soup, you know, trying to get it down, you know what I mean? You can't get through all your things, you know. You know oh, we didn't do Kaparis yet, you know what I mean? You know, right, give, give me the boiled chicken. <laughs> it's so hot because the legs are coming off, you know what I mean? You know? <laughs> You want to give the brachas, you have to get the shul, you have to run around, you know. No. You want to be like one of the cool people sitting there saying, Phil Zaka throwing dirty looks at everybody else who are walking in last minute, you know what I mean? With boiled chicken hanging from their hands, you know what I mean? You know? What do I have to be like the last one coming in, you know what I mean? So you're rushing, you're rushing through. And you're not eating just for taiva. You're eating because you understand it's a mitzvah. You're eating because you've been elevated to a higher position. This is something spiritual. This is something great. We understand that. We're going from Kedusha to Kedusha. We're going into it with a different experience. The Dubna Magid says we're presented as Enoi because here yeah, you're stopping yourself but it's that Enoi that allows you to reach the level of Malachim. <laughs> and that's how we're supposed to eat every year. It's a whole year. Like Malachim. Do we see this? The Chazal tell us one of the reasons for the man was to teach the Jews there's a concept called meal time. <laughs> Over the past 3,000 years, this has been forgotten. <laughs> one person told me, my kids only eat one meal a day. It starts when they wake up and it ends as they're sleeping. Then they go to sleep, with, you know. Anyone who's ever had to pull a piece of chewing gum out of a little girl's hair, please don't admit to it. You understand? We know, we know. Because they wouldn't give up that piece of gum. I teach, I teach in seminaries, I teach in, you know, in, in, in yeshivas. I can't tell how many times someone's got to be sitting there munching something. And, and, and it's never even something like quite, it's always got to be something like bisley. Bisley's not even a food, it's just a collection of chemicals. They've already proven, bisley does not digest. They've done x-rays and those little twisty things remain in your stomach forever. It never goes away. You understand? Then they're crunching away on the bisley. You see these people walking down the street with a falafel or a shawarma, industrial size. You know what I mean? The Vish one. You know what I mean? I, one of the finest things is to see a really refined seminary girl. I, I, those are the ones that I really appreciate. The dress fine, etc. With like a two-liter bottle of water guggling it as you're going down the street. Going, I was like, there's this thing they came up with recently called cups. You know, you know, place of a cup. You know, I said, oh, we, we lose, we lose all of our inhibitions when it comes to food. You know what I mean? People always, you know, oh, that was good, can't run family. We're always like munching, we're munching it. So it's like Malachim, like the Surah Mavsekes, and Yom Kippur is how we're supposed to eat. Where we understand we're going from Kedusha to Kedusha. We understand that we're eating like Malachim, we're supposed to elevate ourselves. You know, it's interesting that there's, when we, when we eat on the 9th, it's like we, we fast on the 9th and the 10th. And the truth of the matter is that I don't know how many, how well all of us are at fasting. Maybe fasting is not our strong point. Understand? Maybe some of us do a lot better with eating. Understand? So the mitzvah of eating on the ninth with the right attitude—that's like fasting. That takes the whole fast of the tenth and the eating of the ninth, and it elevates it to this high level where we understand that we're in this world not to be animals. We're in this world not to be malachim. On Yom Kippur, we're like malachim. That's nice. Adam Avinu used to boss around the Malachim. Go do this for me. Go get me this. Go take care of this. Because they're just Malachim. Understand? We are human beings. We're somebody who's been raised to this tremendous spiritual heights. We have only a few days left to be a Zeres Mechuvah. We have to change. We have to know that this is a time that's serious. And it is serious. It's serious because there are so many people who at the end of their lives will have been nothing more than animals. Okay? Animals that, that, that also do mitzvahs here and there. Animals that also occasionally do this. But we have inside of us this spiritual longing. This existentialistic angst. This sense that we are looking for greatness. 
we, 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 want, we want to be people who are, who are high and mighty and, and powerful in the spiritual realms. We want to be like Adam Avinu and sew together Shemayim Ba'aretz. That even the Aretz the, the, the is something that's coming at us from the point of view of, of Shemayim. That our lives, our physical lives, are something that's imbued with spirituality. There's so many people who are compartmentalized. They have Shemayim and they have Aretz. But they're torn asunder. The Chayat has to be able to sew it back together. That's what we have to do on this Erev Yom Kippur. And when we take that strength, we take the strength of that and we bring it with us into Yom Kippur to be able to use that energy to transform our lives into a life of spiritual meaning. Mitzvah should bless every one of us that we should have this power, this koach, and that we should take this to be able to use this coming year, that this should be a year of, of spiritual greatness for us, for our families, and for Klai Thank you very much.